If we'll walk in humility, hunger, and holiness, if God shows up, we'll know it, and we'll be able to steward it, channel it, and flow in it. That's my prayer for the nation. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Honored, actually, that you would take time to listen. And our hope, uh, Bill Eliff, Kyle Reno here hosting this, our hope is simply this, is that God would allow us to see some revival truths and hear some testimonies about what God is doing even right now all over the world to build our faith for the next coming revival. Now, Bill, I, I know you've been believing a long time. Uh, and you and a lot of other leaders and and have promises mm-hmm. that you're holding on to for the next yeah. great sweeping move of God. But it's not like that doesn't come with a cost. That's right. Yeah. And I, I know the day is the third part of a lot of truth you've been unpacking for us. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, I would encourage you, if you haven't listened the last couple of weeks, go back and listen to the catch last up. two. Yeah, yeah, catch up and and take note of these things and share it with others. But today, really just sort of move saying, hey, there's a cost that comes yeah. uh, when when God comes in sweeping. There's opposition and things that happen. Mm-hmm. So, man, unpack some of that for us. You know, Jesus always was so straight up about everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he like crowds are following and who wouldn't follow a guy who's, right. you know, loaves and fishes and miracles. Mm-hmm. And then one day, uh, Luke 14, he just draws a line in the sand and he said, no, wait a minute, by the way, if you're going to follow me. You must die to yourself. You you must take up your cross. Mm-hmm. You must lay aside your possessions. I mean, it's just pretty straight up. And you, and you just think, after that, I wonder what the crowd looked like. Probably thinned it out pretty mm-hmm. quickly. But the the value of following Jesus, oh my goodness, if you got the pearl of great price, you had everything. So, uh, you know, today we're, we're trying to equip you to be able to fully cooperate with God, particularly those of you who lead in a time of revival. And we've talked about several different things, but, but here's another point, and that is realize and embrace the cost of revival and rely on God's strength. Just rely on God's strength. Uh, there's going to be opposition in the midst of revival. There's going to be the enemy's push, right? And then there's just the sheer uh, exhaustion <laughs> that that can come by day after day, night after night, counseling appointment after counseling appointment, when God is really moving in a church. Now, it's fun. There's an adrenaline, a spiritual adrenaline that comes with that. But I want to tell you this, you can't do it without God's strength. One time years ago, I had been sick on a Saturday night. I mean, really, really sick. And I had a message the next morning that I really knew God wanted me to give to our people in multiple services. So I came to the to the service, to the church as weak as I could be. And, and I got in a little side room and I said, Lord, I just... I don't think I have enough strength to do this. And I'm telling you, as clearly as I've ever heard the Spirit of the Lord 
speak to my heart like he does. He said, who said this was about your strength? (laughs) And I thought, okay, you live in me. You are strength. Would you, here's my body. You can use it however you want to. Use it up if you want to. But Lord, would you strengthen me with your strength? And I want to tell you, I went out, and if I do say so, preached like a house on fire, and then went home and collapsed about 2 o'clock. I want to tell you, you know, there's a little, little phrase that says, if you, can't, if you can't run with a footman, you know, what are you going to do with the chariots? And, and so we have to learn and cultivate now how to rely on God's empowerment so that in days of the extraordinary movement of revival, we can just physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally stay up with what God is doing. And that only comes by relying on his strength. And here's another thing of what to do when revival comes. Understand the fragile nature of revival and don't quench his spirit by your disobedience. I'm telling you, I've been in some moments when normal things that I might just do, binge on a TV show or, you know, do some, some little thing that doesn't look all that bad in the eyes of revival, but is a, of, of, of the normal crowd, but is what would quench the flow of God's Spirit. Why, during moments of revival, we're not playing around. The movement of God is at stake. We could quench revival in our church because we're the gatekeepers in some way as leaders, and it miss a whole stream of people or an explosion that could happen. And so you have to be ever mindful of this, and, and uh, that means you've got to be praying and listening. If the Lord says, don't do that, then don't do it. If he says, say this, then you say it. Talk to that guy on the street right now. Just go over there and talk to him. Then you obey the promptings of his spirit and the illumination of of his word. And that allows the spirit to just keep on moving through you and through the people around you. And here's another point. Don't be surprised or worry about who's in and who's out. In the movements that the Lord has let me be a part of through the last 50 years, what has been surprising, and particularly in the first time this happened, is people who've been prominent and vocal and leading in the church, all of a sudden God shows up at church, and the next night they're not there. And uh, they don't participate, and they're not involved. Even they sometimes can become critics of what God's doing, because my evaluation is they didn't want to pay the price. They didn't want to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so their way of trying to hinder that is by taking pot shots at others who were experiencing God. And on the other side, conversely, I've always been amazed at the humble, simple believers. Sometimes they're students. Sometimes it's a 20-year-old guy. Sometimes It's a quiet man who's been sitting on the sidelines in some ways and yet walking with God and praying, and God uses him as a great instrument in revival. So just don't be blindsided by this. And and I wouldn't care 
about who's in and who's out. That's God's business and their business. You can exhort and plead, but but the Lord's going to bring along who he wants to bring along. And uh, you don't have to worry about that. And here's another couple of points. Don't try to control revival, but cooperate with revival. Very important. You know, we're great controllers, particularly if you're a leader. You're, you're used to setting things up, and, and we got it all figured out. We got it all planned. We wanted to go in that way. And if it doesn't, we kind of push it back into the box, right? And uh, if we don't know how to listen to the voice of God and flow with Him, we can control the Holy Spirit right out of the, uh, out of the meeting. Now, the Bible says, be controlled, be filled by the Holy Spirit. You don't control Him. You let Him control you. You let Him drive the agenda. You let Him drive the time. You let Him drive the activity of that moment and just cooperate fully with Him. And you don't try to make anything happen. You just go with the flow of God's Spirit. You extend a meeting if God directs. You say, well, how do we, how do we know if God wants to extend this meeting? I, I remember traveling years ago with Life Action. God began to work in a church, and we would just sense, hey, it's, it's not done. And we talked to the staff, and, and they'd say, well, we feel that same thing. Let's go another night. Let's go another three days. And the rule of thumb for us, a great illustration, was this. It's like a train. If the train is moving <laughs> and you can't stop it, then you just grab hold and go along with that train. If the train is slowing or stopping and we have to push it to get it going, then it's time to just uh, turn from that and go back to to go on to the next thing. And, and revivals, these extraordinary movement of God, there are none of those movements in human history that have lasted forever. Because God takes us right here. He wants us to get here, right, and, and maintain that. Maybe we'll fall a little below that, but we'll never be the same. And so God gives these seasons of reviving that are so critical and so important. Uh, here's another thing, and that is anticipate spiritual warfare. I've been in several moments where in the middle of a great movement of God, something really bizarre happened with somebody that just went off a beam or was attacked spiritually. And again, we should anticipate that. We shouldn't say, oh, we got to cut this, you know, shut this thing down because this happened over here. No, we anticipate that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness and heavenly places. And I mean, it's kind of a no brainer, isn't it, to think that if God is moving in a city, in a church somewhere, that the, the enemy is going to leave whatever he's doing over here and come attend to that because. The kingdom of God is expanding at an accelerated rate. So just be ready for that. And pray, here's one final thing, for the extension of God's work to every church, every state, and every nation, right? You know, sometimes, some time in the future, the Lord's going to shut this whole thing down. 
He's not going to do that until the gospel goes to every tongue, tribe, nation, and people, and then the end will come. And it's just what I believe scripturally is true, that before that end, wickedness is going to rise. There's a lot in the scripture about that. The enemy is going to try to establish a united government against the kingdom of our God, but also There's something in there where there's a great movement and great harvest that happens. And you have to think, this this is what spiritual awakening really is, right? So when God starts working in my church, I shouldn't be so selfish, Kyle, to just say, boy, this is just us. And I don't want to go anywhere else because I want the name of my church to be known. That's just pride. Uh, But I, I am... It will cause us to start praying for the whole body and the whole city and for that blessing to extend everywhere. Yeah, to move from just what God's doing in your church to what is God doing in the advancement of his kingdom. That's it. He's got a, there's a bigger, bigger picture, bigger story going on right here. And I was thinking, I've been stuck at a point that you were sharing just to illustrate that a little bit more. Uh, don't, Don't be too concerned over who's in and who's not. Right. You know, because there's varying opinions around a revival and what that might look like at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you have to think the enemy knows how to get in our head. Right. He knows how to. Yeah, And that can be with too much praise. Yeah. yeah. It can be with you start thinking too highly of yourself. I heard a pastor that was a part of a move of God say recently, and it just stuck into my spirit. He said he had this one guy that showed up every Sunday, and they were in the middle of the move of God with his piece of paper, and he had actually started an article that he was printing and sending out to the members of his church, of that church, and in the city of just things that was wrong in this pastor's leadership. Now, they're in the middle of the move of God. He said he would show up with a notebook. And would just take notes of things, and he wow. know he knows he's doing it. I know that guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's been in a bunch of churches. Been there. Yeah, and he said one day, and he start. He goes, I would start preparing sermons with that man in mind. Wow. And wow. it's I'm in the middle of a move of God. He said, I, and I would I would start preaching to that man alone. And he said one day the the Holy Spirit as he was preaching, he said, R T, you can preach to please that man. Or you can, or you can preach to please me, but you can't do both. Oh my stars! You can't do both. And he said, and I made a decision in that moment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach to please the Lord. Yeah, Got an audience of one. Audience of one. So when the Lord comes, right? When the Lord comes, think about the Lord first and foremost. And we actually today those truths and and to talk to a pastor that's been a part of that like you, Bill. And mm-hmm. so actually, my first pastor, Steve Gaines, we've asked him to share some about stewarding that movement when God does come and things you have to wrestle through in your own heart as a leader. So let's take a few minutes and listen to this testimony. Uh, We're honored today to have Dr. Steve Gaines, the senior pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Brother Steve, thank you for joining us again. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Man, listen, we've talked a lot about what the Lord uh, did in that season when I came to faith in Christ at Gardendale at 19, uh, in those really over a decade of a real move of God that the Lord allowed y'all to be a part of that changed lives and is still changing literally cities out of what he birthed in the hearts of men and women that have taken that fire and that flame out of the other places. But I guess the question today, Brother Steve, that you could help us with, 
So I, and I've heard you talk so many times when, when God comes to church, when God comes to church, everything changes. You know, like he, he, we, we've said it, but at that point, like the Lord is in the house and he's, he's walking into the church in the season, more than just a gathering, let's, let's say over, over a season in the church. How for you did that sort of change your operating system? You know, like I know you're hungry for the Lord moves. What decisions did you have to make even in your rhythms as the leader? As far as your rhythm goes and everything, I think that uh, what it does is it, it does change your perspective on what you're doing. Again, you're not primarily, it's not that you're against people coming to church, but that's not the primary uh, emphasis of your life. The emphasis of your life is really trying to walk close with God. So I think the first thing that it, it did for me, it transformed my time with the Lord, my personal time with the Lord. And so I really got into a track uh, during that time that I started reading the Bible through every year. And before that, I had uh, done it that a little bit, but not as in a disciplined form. I would just read and, and study and all. And I, I read the Bible, obviously, for a long time. But, you know, it was that during that time that I really started really trying. It was while I was at Gardendale that I started reading the Bible through every year. And uh, that's something that I still do. I, I read the Bible through every nine months, something like that. And I've just got a deal where I start in Genesis and I start the same day in Psalms and I start the same day in Matthew. And I read uh, three chapters and starting with the Genesis thing and one in Psalms and all that. And then one in the New Testament, I read the whole thing through and and it's, it's just been a great, great way to do it. But I, when I read the Bible, I believe God's speaking to me. I don't believe it's, it's just not just a historical thing. I believe he's talking to me through his word. I think it's a love letter to his children. And so I believe my Abba is speaking to me through that. And I think prayer has changed my life too. Don Miller was put in my life early on. And uh, Brother Don has really, uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but uh, he taught me how to pray, how to spend. His whole thing was how to spend an hour with the Lord in prayer. And it's not legalism or anything like that. But, and I used to hear, you know, people praying for two or three hours. I didn't understand that, how they did it. Well, now I, I do understand how they do it. I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you get to the point, you don't want to talk about how much time you are spending with the Lord and you're not spending with the Lord. But uh, I want to tell you this. I really you've got a lot of times you've got so much to do that you've got to spend a lot of time with the Lord in prayer. And I don't want to live in a, 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 a day that has not been prayed over. I think a day without prayer is a wasted day. And I think that, uh, you know, we have to come to the point where we hunger for the presence of God. Now you've got uh, children, you've got four or five children and you know, it's harder uh, in some ways you've got to be a lot more disciplined when you have kids at home. I'm in the empty nest and uh, you know, it's, it, it's really lends itself to giving more time to be with the Lord. And so Don and I get up early, we go to bed early and uh, we get up and the first thing we do is read our Bible and pray and mm -hmm. uh, cry out to God and ask God to bless. And so I've got this system that I use. I won't get into all of it, but uh, I pray the names of God back to the Lord. I worship him in that. And then I pray through uh, my little cards that I have. You know, when somebody asks me to pray for them, I write their name down on a card. Mm -hmm. If I want it in my daily thing, sometimes I'll just pray for them right on the spot. But then uh, I, I, I constantly uh, am using those cards. And then when I read something good in the Bible that would be something really good to pray back to the Lord, I write that down on a card. So I'm constantly praying through cards and uh, just uh, spending that kind of time with the Lord. 
once a month here at Bellevue, we uh, have a day of prayer and fasting. And so at least once a month, I'm going to fast. Uh, and fasting is doing without food for the purpose, uh, for spiritual purposes. Anybody, even like me, I take medicine, but you can fast uh, one day and you can fast one meal uh, at least. And so I, I do that at least once a month. And there are times when the Lord will say, I want you to fast uh, three days. Uh, I've done that quite a bit lately, a uh, three-day fast. And like you read in the book of Esther, and there are other places that did three-day fast. So, you know, those are the things, some of the things that I do and, uh, you know, to try to keep myself sharp. I pray with my wife uh, on a regular basis and uh, pray over our home, pray over this church. Every Sunday morning, we pray over every seat in our sanctuary, uh, we pray together as a staff, because I believe uh, that it, it has to start with leadership because the anointing flows from the top to the bottom. And uh, so those are some of the things I would say to you. Let me encourage you. So you, you won't remember this probably. I rode with you to, you're preaching a men's retreat Shaco Springs or somewhere in Alabama. I was probably 23, 24. And you had a stack of prayer cards in the console. Uh, and I didn't know what that was. So, hey, what's that? Of course, I'm asking you 100 questions on the way there. You said, what's things I pray for? And so I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever told you that. So I, I went that next week and I got me some prayer cards. And for ever since I've had it. And what it did for me, you're talking about cooperating with God's work in the church. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that we know we should be praying for like things that we know that we want to see it's in God's heart scripture and things to play out in the church. But when I put it down on a card, eventually I'm going to get there. Eventually I'm going to actually pray for those things. Practically we, we, we adopted here, you know, uh, for our staff, everybody's on our staff to pray one, lead one and share ones. And so we want everybody, the first part is that, Hey, as a part of your role here as a staff member, uh, not not just your personal time with God. We want you to give one hour of your work day to pray. One hour. That's a part of your job here. As, as a, and it, not to be legalistic about it, but because we need the Lord that much. Like we need the Lord to move in that kind of ways. And it just felt like at Gardnell in that season, people were praying everywhere. Like it, it was just a part. Me and Andy Heist were like, we didn't know what to do. He's a Coca-Cola guy and I'm a coach. You know, like we <laughs> we knew what we shouldn't do, anything that we personally wanted to do. But we were going to spend an hour and pray, you know, every day together and walk around in that in that lighthouse. And so I, I just think, Brother Steve, y'all modeled that so well, just that desire. I know you don't want you're not looking for that. But the truth is there was an atmosphere of prayer at Gardenell that let the Lord know that we knew. We needed him, which is so awesome. Well, and we had staff members, uh, you know, uh, Mark Harrison was a real person of prayer. And David Jett was a real person of prayer. Yeah. And uh, Dee Allen was a person of prayer. There were just a lot of them that uh, God really used. And, uh, well, we had a guy named Bruce Hill that was a guy that just loved the Lord. Uh, Mark, Mark, uh, Blair was there before that. He was a man of prayer, but Bruce Hill was uh, unusually anointed uh, and in worship leading. And uh, he, he, he led worship with his whole self. I mean, man, when he got through, he was worn out, but the Lord blessed us and uh, uh, with some great staff members, but also some great deacons and some great lay people. I know you've talked a little bit about that, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's just people getting hungry for God. That's right. That's right. Hey, Kyle, if I could share just a couple of things. Uh, again, I came there in 2000. I walked into it. Um, 
I think what Steve talks about as far as the simplicity of it, um, Corinthians, I think it's second Corinthians 11 could be first Corinthians said, Paul says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve through his craftiness, so you will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Um, and that pretty much describes Gardendale. I mean, it was not complicated. It was not complex. Uh, it was not slick. I mean, things were done well, but the, the focus, as Steve talks about, was going after God. I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the guy in the movie, you know, we got one thing here and, and <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're going after God. A couple of other things. Uh, Steve talks about relationship. Uh, as a pastor, he did a great job of shepherding the staff. Uh, he touched lives. It's not like he met with everybody every week or anything, but uh, his presence was there. You, it wasn't just in the pulpit there was a, uh, a sense of, of his presence as the leader there that, that really made an impact uh, upon people. He was in touch with people, he touched people, and that really helped to keep that spirit. Uh, the other thing, and I, I just say it again, with David Jett as the associate pastor, there was a oneness of spirit uh, and a oneness of mind in that office that really spread down to the rest of the church. And, you know, if you ever thought Steve was being too spiritual, we'll just go talk to David Jett, uh, you know, who, who's, who's to the right of Steve, uh, as far as, you know, just the presence of God and hearing from God and all of those other things. But that oneness of spirit was a huge uh, factor in, in leading the church along. Uh, it was just something that, that was not divided and, and you hear from one, you hear from the other. And, and, and it was a, a powerful thing. Yeah. Everybody was heading the same direction. Yeah. That, that, what it felt like is as somebody that was born again and then a member and then came on staff, there, there was no confusion who, after what was going after. We're going after God. I think, yeah, I think one of the things that we did too, there was a, a, a real essential thing that we did that I, that we are doing again here at Bellevue is worship services are about worshiping the Lord and preaching the word. They are not about announcements and they are not about um, just talking to people, welcoming guests and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that's fine, but that is so subsidiary. There needs to be a seamless flow and you've got to really protect this uh, starting off with prayer. Uh, we always started off with prayer. God's house to be a house of prayer. I think the first thing every worship service ought to do is somebody ought to be praying. And I think the best thing to do is get everybody stand up, take two or three people next to you. One of you start praying. Let's all pray right now. Make this a house of prayer and then flow right into the music and the worship and do not have a break, no announcements or anything. Uh, uh, let the sermon come right out of that. Let the invitation flow out of that. And then put all that other stuff, offerings, everything else, announcements at the very end. All right. Because if you have that flow, then it's all about God. It's all, not that giving's not about God, not that announcements aren't bad, but at the same time, it's, we, we, you know, we'll sing a song, then we'll do an announcement. We'll sing a song, then we'll show a video. We'll sing a song, then we'll uh, give somebody, you know, a 10 year uh, thank you for their ministry at Bellevue or whatever. But we don't need to do that, man. We, it's all about the Lord. He's the audience. 
And so I think that that's a big thing. Um, and then there are a few other things that are just hindrances to revival. Uh, formalism, where you're more, con you, you're more concerned about how things look and how, you know, uh, you know, you're more concerned about all that than you are about what God, God's showing up. Mm -hmm. And then fanaticism. Let me, let me interrupt you because he often interrupts under the leadership of the spirit of God, what's mm -hmm. going on. We may sing a song and then Stephen walked up there and said, hang up, hang on. Now, now we, we sang that song, but I don't know if we worship. Let's sing it again. Let's go after God. So he is not afraid to, to, to step into there and to take that leadership to really keep the main thing, the main thing. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, formalism will kill you, but fanaticism will kill you. And that's when, you know, to me, you go beyond biblical um, procedures, liberalism, obviously, you know, denying what the word of God says, and then legalism is adding to what the word of God says that both sins. But I think one of the biggest things that hurts churches is traditionalism. Uh, there's nothing wrong with biblical tradition, but there is something wrong with traditionalism that the only reason we're doing it is because that's the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And so I think you got to be open to some new things. I remember when we got screens at Gardendale. Now that may sound like nothing to anybody now, but I remember we got screens at Gardendale, man. And, and people, we had a few people, well, I want to sing out of the hymnal. I'm saying, no, you know, it's, and so, but, but just the one thing we just, when we stopped singing down, we weren't singing out of hymnals. We were, we had written them on the, on the program, but when they just raised their heads up, that one thing changed the worship at Gardendale. And, but that was a little thing. And, and people nowadays that said, well, everybody's got screens. Well, they didn't back in the 1990s, you know? And so I think you gotta, I think you gotta move on and, and do what the Lord tells you to do and follow the Lord. But those are just a few things I wanted to mention. That's great. I heard uh, a pastor say about tradition. Tradition in its purest form is moving from hand to hand. And if you, if you can follow tradition back until you get to a nail-scarred hand, it's a good one. You know, but, if it's, but if it stops at a man-made tradition, then let's not worry about that no more. You know, if it ultimately gets you to the Lord, it's a good thing. I think right now in this age, and this will be the last thing I'd ask you, Brother Steve, in this moment right here for pastor that we're living in, in some ways, obviously I, I wouldn't have chosen it. I'm grateful for what's come out of COVID for the church, not for personal loss, all those things, because it stripped us down. You know, it stripped us down and showed us that there were a lot of things that we're relying on that didn't take us vertical. You know, I, in many ways, this is a moment that pastors and leaders better recognize in our nation that, and you've said this so many times, there's no solution out there outside of a real move of Jesus, a real move of Jesus. So we're not going to wow them anymore. You know, we're not, we're not, culture's not just going to come. Even so we're, we're not a part of our, our nation's fabric in the sense of like, well, you just don't go to church because you just go to church. You know, like now we're in a moment where people are hesitant toward any of those things. So the, the greatest, I, I think, one of the greatest moments that we've been in is unless a real move of God comes, we're in real trouble, real trouble. And so if you speak to that, just what, what about that? When, when lost people would walk into the sermon and say, surely the Lord is in this place. And that's right. what we want. We want them not to experience just good preaching. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that you don't prepare, uh, whether it's musically or I think you're supposed to study to show yourself approved unto God. Uh, 
and, and be a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, right? A divine word of truth. But I think that, you know, you gotta, you gotta put your, you gotta put your work in and you've got to, but, and you've got to pray, but you've also got to flow with the Holy ghost and you got, you got to learn to listen to the Lord. And I believe God still speaks a lot of people that freaks them out. When I say that, you know, that God is still talking. I just want to know if he spoke in the early church, what shut him up? I mean, when, 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 when the, when the, the, the canon of scripture was closed, did God have to shut his mouth? Did the Holy ghost have to shut his mouth? And he is, he'll never say anything that is not scriptural, but he will, like he did with Philip. He will lead you to a person in a chariot to witness to somebody. And like he did with Peter, he will lead you to say, hey, what I call clean, you stop calling unclean. God is still speaking. I like what my buddy David Jett said. He said, God's a talker. Amen. And uh, I like that. That I, Boy, I like that. God is speaking. And we will hear his voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it whenever he turned the right or left. And so I think God is speaking right now. I think God is saying, hey, uh, you want me? Uh, you know, politics is not going to fix this thing. Uh, you know, money's not going to fix this thing. Religion's not going to fix this thing. And uh, all of your little maneuverings are not going to fix this thing. Only I can fix. Right. And it's not about fixing America. It's about fixing the church. Yeah. And I believe, you know, that's what, that's what we need to do. I think we need to focus on just say, Lord, we're yours. We give you every, all the, all of it, Lord. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that you'll come and Lord show up and show us exactly what to do. we're going to try to live. For your glory, we're going to try to live uh, obedient lives. But at the end of the day, if you come, it's just an act of grace. Amen. Brother Steve, I love you. Thank you for your time. Bill, thank you so much, man, for joining us today. It's been a blast. And, and I know the Lord's going to use this in the lives of pastors and leaders to help fan the flame from a real move of God. We'll Can I say one more thing? One more thing. Hunger, holiness. Let me see if I got it down here. Humility, hunger, and holiness. Humility, yeah. hunger, and holiness. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humility and in, in, in Second Chronicles 7, 14, is talking about fasting. That's one of the things he said. If my people will fast and pray, if they will humble themselves and pray. But you can't be cocky and proud and God show up. And then hunger, seek my face. Not my hand, but my face. Not for what I can do for you, but for who I am. Seek my face. And then holiness, turn from your wicked ways. Those are the keys to revival. We can't make God do anything, but we can get the get ourselves ready. So if he does, if we'll walk in humility, hunger, and holiness, if God shows up, we'll know it, and we'll be able to steward it, as you said. We'll be able to channel it, however you want to say that, and flow in it. And, and that's my prayer for the nation is, and the Christians across America, that we will walk that. Now, some people say, well, Second Chronicles 7, 14 is the Old Testament. You know what? So are the Ten Commandments, but I go by them, all right? So yeah. give me a break. Come on, man. God still wants us to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways and hear from heaven. And if we'll do that, God will heal the people around us that don't even know him. Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. Thanks for your time again. Thank you. I, I know people are going to be encouraged. See you later, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Wow. Well, I, I love Steve Gaines. And uh, he's a he's a man for this hour, right. honestly. That we need to we need to hear yeah. from because he's a humble but authoritative leader yeah. and a godly man. And you know, uh, 
I, I can't, there's no way I can express what's in my soul. I think Steve's soul and many men across the, the country, older men who just have this burden to equip the next generation of leaders mm -hmm. to get ready, right. to just get ready. Because if it comes, we want the movement of God to be as extensive and extended mm -hmm. and as impactful as it could possibly okay. be. You know, the Second Great Awakening, many men believe, lasted 20 years. 20 years. Wow. Now, it had its peaks and valleys, but Mark Knoll, who is a historian at Notre Dame, says that that one movement shaped American history more than anything that happened before or since. Mm. It built the soul of America wow. and all kinds of things. So. So you had men who knew how to cooperate with God in that, and that's that's our prayer. That's that's, right. that's the whole motivation for this. I mean, who needs another podcast? <laughs> right. You sure. know, but the whole motivation for this, the, the uniqueness of this podcast, sure. is to equip people to know how to cooperate with God right. in His movement and to tell the stories hmm. that illustrate that. That's right. So we're going to pray about that today, and uh, again, as always, it's just not me and Kyle praying. Please. We we pray that there are thousands of you that are praying with us right, uh, right now today, and we invite you to do that. And Kyle, yeah. why don't you begin? Father, uh, help, help, help right. us to know your ways, that you're not hiding them from us. Mm -hmm. uh, Lord, help us to know your ways to prepare uh, Lord, and then the ways to lead when you come. That's right. God, that what, and to discern what you're doing, God. So mm -hmm. I ask for the help of the Holy Spirit for every listener, Please. Lord, uh -huh. even now. Lord, I, I pray you'd get this, these truths out there to build our faith for what you want to do, mm -hmm. for what you want to do. And then I, I pray that you'd help us get the, the sails uh, of the church up. Mm -hmm. So when the wind comes, we'll be ready and we'll catch it. That's right. That's right. And Father, uh, don't let us move ahead of you trying to manipulate your activity. Uh, we couldn't anyway. And don't let us lag behind you. And as you move, or we think of the Israelites who you told them, look, when the cloud moves, uh, you move. When it stops, you stop. Right. And that's a pretty good plan. That's right. And uh, so help us know how to understand your movement, right. and join you. Just as our dear friend Henry Blackby used to say, it, it just join in the movement of God right. wherever he's going. Right. And Lord, we ask that not for five years from now or a year from now. Right. We ask that for today. Yes, Lord. Lord, the revival is when the church begins to cooperate with God. That's, that's the church being revived the church praying, the church cooperating. So, Lord, I pray for every one of us listening on this podcast today that we would see where you're moving today and just join you, yeah. just join you. Yeah. And, uh, Lord, when you move uh, and do things and change lives, please keep us from stealing the glory. Lord, we just want to give you all the glory. Only you can save. Only you can revive. And we pray that we'd be wise enough to defer every word of praise straight to heaven for your sake and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. 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 Well, again, thank you for taking time uh, to listen and learn with us uh, on this One Cry podcast. I'd really like to encourage you. Take some time to send this to somebody. Like it, share it, pound it, noggin, whatever you got to do to to help get the word out there. Uh, Because, listen, our hope is just to serve here and, and to help foster some things that God wants to do in your heart and in the hearts of others. And then come back next week because there's more truths to learn and more testimonies to hear. So we'll see you next week.